Welcome to the Generous Business Owner Podcast, where business owners gain inspiration and encouragement to live a legacy, not just leave one. And now your hosts, Jeff Thomas, Alan Barnhart, and Jeff Rutt. Welcome to the Generous Business Owners Podcast. We have a very special guest this week, Nathan Barnhart. Say hello, Nathan. Hey, guys. Welcome, Nathan, to the podcast. We are really looking forward to hearing from you. We've heard from your father, Alan Barnhart, uh, a number of times, and we are really excited about hearing from that next generation, just your perspective. So tell us a little bit about... Maybe you just start with what it was like growing up in the the Barnhart. Well, actually, first of all, tell us a little bit about where you stand now. You work in the in the company in Barnhart Crane and Rigging, and what do you do? How long have you worked there? And then maybe back us up and tell us a little bit about what it was like, you know, growing up in in that uh, and what that season was like. Yeah, absolutely, Jeff. First off, thanks so much for having me. Uh, this is truly a treat. I work for Barnhart Crane, like you said, um, going on 10 years in the company. If you include just post-college work, grew up working every summer and Christmas of high school and college for the company. Right now, I'm working in Memphis, Tennessee for kind of our internal leasing office, the project equipment group of Barnhart, where I oversee uh, logistics and sales and uh, load testing of new devices that we create. But that's where I am now. I made stops in Knoxville and Iowa, Memphis and Portland, and now back to Memphis. So um, I've got a very patient life and we've moved all over, but it's, glad, it's, uh, it's good to be back in Memphis. Awesome. Awesome. Well, sounds like a lot of responsibility. And I know you're understating some of those uh, load testing. Tell us about maybe one project that's going on or that has over the last couple of years. That's kind of a cool thing that's happening at, at Barnard Green. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we, oh, let me think. Uh, we had to send some equipment, some, a very high capacity lifting device to Indonesia to load out offshore wind turbine components and realize that the way the manufacturer built it had some deficiencies uh, with the software and the hardware. And so we had to make modifications. Many times you modify a piece of equipment, you have to test it. Uh, so that was probably the biggest one that I helped oversee where we were load testing to over a thousand metric tons wow. uh, per lifting device. And uh, everything went well. Sent it to Indonesia, stayed there for almost a year with uh, no major issues. Usually they're not quite that exciting, but but that was a fun one. <laughs> wow. Well, yeah, that's some, some amazing, uh, some amazing jobs. Yeah. So tell, uh, take us back. What was it like growing up in the in the Barnhart uh, household, what was life grow- like growing up for you? And yeah, maybe uh, talk a little bit about your your spiritual journey as well. Yeah, absolutely. So grew up with two two pretty great parents. Uh, certainly uh, sinners, but great parents, and they they were very intentional about how they raised us. So from uh, from when I was born until middle school, we lived way out in the country on. 260 acres uh, for all of elementary school. I was homeschooled. I'm one of six kids. I'm the second oldest of six. And so I, I really just had uh, one of those kind of amazing upbringings where uh, a ton of playing outside with the siblings. We had a couple other homeschool families that 
you know, we did life together as well. Um, and just some, some great friends growing up out there, grew up traveling the world. Uh, that was something that my parents took very seriously. And so from the time that, you know, we were infants, uh, they would, they would travel the world with us when they would go and, uh, meet ministries or, or go, go vet ministries. They would, they would tag, uh, we would tag along and that, that kind of slowed down once there were four or five of us, uh, because I was the second oldest, I got to participate in a few more of those trips. And so at an early age, traveling to, uh, Hungary and Korea, India, Thailand. And so just had some really, some rich memories growing up, both out in the country as well as traveling. You know, church was a huge part of life growing up. Uh, my parents were involved. We were involved. But they also made sure that we we knew that the God of Memphis, Tennessee, or the God of the Barnhart family was the God of the world. Um, and so they exposed us to what the Lord was doing all around the world. And so I had a, had a different perspective than most. And I didn't even really realize that the perspective and the experiences that I'd been given was so different from my peers until a bit later on in life. And so fast forward a little bit, we moved to the suburbs, went to a classical Christian school in Memphis for a couple of years, and then transferred to a, to a large public high school. So I got homeschool, private school, uh, public school. It was, uh, for me, a great blend of, of education for my faith walk. I think I was six when I uh, accepted Christ, and uh, you know it was authentic for a six-year-old by by all means. Um, I knew the the core tenets. I knew that I was fallen. I knew that I needed a savior, and that Jesus was that savior. Uh, I, I wouldn't say that my faith necessarily affected my life a whole lot, other than trying to to be a good kid, which for the most part I was uh, growing up. Um, until uh, really probably until late high school, early college, you know, despite being very plugged into to youth group and young life and things like that, um, it wasn't until college that I think, it was, yeah, late high school, early college, where I kind of realized um, what it meant to have a relationship with Christ, to walk with brothers and sisters in Christ and to have community. And so and after, after high school, went to the University of Tennessee, where I was involved with RUF, and with Young Life. I was a Young Life leader for four years through college. That was a very, it was an amazing experience. It was a tough experience. I grew up, you know, another part of traveling as a kid is we spent a month at Trail West Camp, which is a family camp uh, with Young Life in Colorado. We did that for a couple summers. My my grandparents helped build Young Life camps around the country. So uh, you have to be a part of those as well. Um, But yeah, I think I think early college was when I started to realize this isn't this isn't my parents' faith. I'm I'm kind of on my own out here in college, and so this is uh, I need to decide is this real for me? Is this something that I truly believe in? Um, yeah, wow. and luckily had a lot of good and bad influences. Got to see kind of the good and the bad, and mm-hmm. uh, chose to you know walk with the Lord. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, young life. Thank you for your your service in Young Life. What a great uh, ministry, and what a, what a great impact it has on on so many young people. So, what tell us a, uh, a little bit about for the, the folks here uh, that are in a similar situation or maybe dissimilar, but are curious. What was it like? When did you kind of realize that Barnhart Crane was kind of a big 
deal, but your your family, at least from what you've described and what I've noticed, is they don't really make it a big deal. Like when t- talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so I'll take it. I guess one step even further back. Growing up out in the country, all these homeschool families, um, very middle class, not not upper middle class, just very kind of salt of the earth uh, people, and we fit right in. And that was the the way that our life we our lifestyle was kind of congruent with there. And so we didn't seem any different. Their dads went to work. My dad went to work. We all had kind of the same lifestyle. It wasn't until high school, you know, going to a big public high school where kind of realizing, huh, like my there's a there's a company with my name on it, but I'm going to my friends' lake houses and my friends, you know, <laughs> vacation places and things like that. And something doesn't add up quite the same. And so, yeah, it, it was probably high school that I realized, okay, there is something different about what Barnhart does and how they do it. Uh, it was also when I was in high school that my parents gave away the company. Um, and so when that happened, you know, I've, I've said it on other things before, like life just didn't change. You know, we, they went from having a very significant network to having a much smaller network, but our, but our lifestyle and how our family interacted with each other and with the world did not change at all. And so, yeah, then going into college, there was more of that. And that's also when Barnhart started to really grow quite a bit more and it became more of a thing. Uh, so in high school, there were probably, I don't know, 10, 12, maybe 15 branches around the country. Uh, by the time I was done with college, it, it had grown quite a bit and it was just much more, uh, ha- having the last name Barnhart seemed to mean a lot more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you mentioned giving away the company. Uh, what was that? like for you at that age you you said you were in high school uh talk a little bit about that season and how that impacted you and just reflecting back on it you know what what was that like to go through yeah jeff i'm afraid it's a boring story i was uh, i was a (laughs) junior senior in high school worried about making enough money to put gas in the car paying for the cell phone bill um running around with friends uh and we had always been told that this this company is not, there is no big inheritance from this company coming your way. That was not a part of, there was no carrot at the end of, of college. Yeah, come be a part of the company and now you're, you're vested, you're, you're a part of it. Uh, and so because they, my parents made sure that we were aware of the fact that it's God's company and that was even when they owned it and it certainly after they gave it away that this, this isn't, some big company that we're going to use to increase our lifestyle. Um, and, and that we had a, we had a very comfortable lifestyle. It was not, um, uh, very sacrificial. I, you know, my parents bought me a car when I turned 16, uh, it was, I guess a pretty normal upbringing compared to my peers, possibly abnormal compared to other people who own good sized companies. Right. Yeah. So, Say a little bit more about uh, Nathan. You just mentioned we've we'd always been told there's no like I'll call it you know pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Uh, but when you say you had always been talk a little, was that in dinner you know around the dinner table conversation? Just because you were still in high school, it wasn't like you mm-hmm. there was a major like estate planning meetings there. But there sounds like there was some some good uh, dialogue. Yeah, there was, and and the main dialogue was this is God's company. And God 
has been blessing this company and we are a steward of everything God gives us. You know, for my parents, they are stewards of their children, they're stewards of their relationships, they're stewards of the company and the, the profits that come from that. And they they included us, as I said, when it comes to travel as well as you know, sitting around the dinner table, reading the uh, the You Can Change the World book. I don't know if you remember that book, but it has a different country on each page and what, what the church is doing on, on each page. That was a part of growing up. That's awesome. Um, and so we just had a kind of a different perspective of this is, it was almost like a tool in the toolbox, not something that is there to, to increase our life. Yeah. It's something for us to, to use well. And, and my parents were consistent when it comes to, you know, it's not just the business and then the rest of the stuff, happy, go lucky, do whatever you want. It's, uh, God gave you a good mind. Use your mind. God made, made me a, a social person. Use that for God's glory. You know, just, um, essentially whatever, whatever it is God's given us, use that for his glory. Um, and so again, one, when the, when the company was given away, it just, it, it seemed like the logical next step, you know, when they told us, there wasn't some big sit down meeting of like, okay, I know you guys had planned on retiring at 30 with a trust fund. And then, you know, there, there was nothing like that because it just seemed like a logical next step. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What a beautiful uh, preparation and foundation for, like you said, the logical next step. So Nathan, uh, switch over if you could to you're, you're married and have uh, two children. Two children, one tell, on the way. Yeah. yeah, tell us a little. You know what names. You know, tell us a little bit about them. What they're excited about, and then how does this uh, everything that's happened through the years? How does that translate now to the way you are setting up your kind of found, uh, foundation of how you think, or the foundation of the process of how you think about generosity and you know your your plan for the you know future. Yeah, um, I was very fortunate. I my, my wife and I were actually high school sweethearts. Uh, there were a couple couple gaps along the way and through high school and college, but we got married about a year after college. Uh, Susanna, so we grew up in the same youth group. Uh, we have a six year old Davy, and she is uh, brilliant and just a delight. And then we have a three and a half year old Wes. He usually thinks he's a dinosaur, and he is absolutely hilarious. Uh, just kind of fun getting to see that that personality come out, um, and then again we have one on the way in July. So looking forward to uh, another kiddo on the way. Oh wow! Congratulations. Um, yeah, thank you, thank you. Yeah, for how it affected just kind of my what I want for my kids. Yeah, I'm very fortunate where I want for my kids a lot of what I had. You know, I know a lot of people who they want for their kids the things they never got, and luckily, like that's that's just not really the case. You know, there's a few, certainly a few things that I do differently than in my parents. Uh, but when it comes to, to generosity and to stewardship, what, what I want to communicate, what I, I guess do communicate, you know, the six year old is very perceptive, very smart. Um, it's just that, that generosity is not these big highlight reel type of, um, occasions. It's not giving away the company. It's not writing the huge check generosity is just in seeing what you have as you know a gift from god to bless him and to bless others and so they're they're still fairly young but just including uh including davy and um you know using our time and energy 
our, our money to bless other people. You know, Suzanne and I are involved with with ministries. I'm involved with Grove. And just using that as teaching opportunities of, well, yeah, you have a babysitter tonight uh, because we're going to our Young Life Committee meeting and get to talk about how, um, you know, instead of leaving it, yeah, we're going to a meeting or we're going, we're going out. Hey, we're going to this place uh, where we can help enable this group of volunteers and staffers to, to tell high schoolers about Jesus. Uh, right, that's, so kind of, again, it's, that's so awesome, Nathan. And, and they're three and six. Yeah. That's, that's just, that's just like not completely normal, but it's so awesome. Yeah. And I would just uh, encourage our listeners, you know, if you have a three-year-old and a six-year-old, yeah, share with them, hey, we're, this is what the meeting is that we're going, this is what we're, we're going to be doing tonight, whether it's Young Life, whether it's The Grove. Say a little bit more about The Grove for those on, who are listening and don't know what The Grove is. Yeah, absolutely. The Grove is the group that gives away the profits of Barnhart and the other kingdom company. So there's four other businesses uh, who have all been given away as well, and the profits of those businesses goes to funding ministries around the world. There are about 50 of us that are included. It's open to any employee of any of the five companies as well as spouses. And so we have a couple different teams that essentially build a, a portfolio of ministries to support. So we have a team that handles West Africa, a team that is Middle East, North Africa, India, Southeast Asia, scripture translation, and then I'm on the leadership development team. And so again, we just build a portfolio of leadership development ministries, uh, anywhere from kind of a one-time conference type of ministry that has a really good mechanism for delivery all the way up to a, a four-year accredited PhD program. So anywhere along that spectrum for, for leadership development. Um, and it takes a lot of time. It, it, you know, it's a part of our job. It's not on our job title, but it's one of the things that if you, if you join, you're essentially committing to just adding to your job and uh, but yeah, it's a joy. I was just out of town last weekend for a retreat for our team where we got to really strategize and think together on where we want, you know, our portfolio to go and how we want to structure that. And so, yeah, that, that's the Grove group. Again, there's about 50 of us and we'll be to give away the profits of the company. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, sorry, I, I took you away from, so talk a little bit more about Davey and West and as you build that sense of generosity for the future what do you what are your hopes and dreams for them as it relates to uh generosity and in addition to you you talked about taking encouraging them to take what god gave them what's in their hands and and use that and and multiply and and leverage that what else tell us more about what what's that family dynamic as it revolves around mm -hmm. generosity i can tell you you've put a lot of thought into this yeah all right so what else i would say Another part of just, you know, I guess kind of parenting 101 in the uh, Christian world is try to try to expose them as much as possible to Scripture. You know, we, we read the Bible every night. It may be the children's storybook Bible, so it's not, you know, the, it's a loose translation. <laughs> but, uh, and, and then ask questions about what they heard. Now, usually that's at bedtime where they're already getting a little bit tired. So not always a riveting conversation, but, but trying to bring to life the gospel. Um, I think that's something that when I was growing up, 
I don't know if I would say that was true of my perception of the gospel growing up. It was just kind of a book with a lot of good things, but trying to just, you know, explain how that applies to their life. Um, mm-hmm. Also praying with my kids every night, you know, asking them, what are the things that you want to pray for? And then just gradually sliding in, okay, maybe we'll pray for more than that. We'll have a good day tomorrow or that we'll sleep well. <laughs> you know, yeah. my parents travel, especially for ministry things quite often. My, my in-laws do very frequently as well. And so getting to, to lift them up in prayer as they are yep. going in you know, using their time and resources to, to help others, you know, expand the off. Um, and then also just on a, you know, more practical note, I'd say is we want to, to have a lifestyle consistent with, with scripture. And that's, that's not necessarily the same for everybody. Um, but you know, showing them that just because we have resources, that doesn't mean we're going to, we're going to spend it all on us. We're not going to consume all of that. And to be honest, those, those conversations are very, I would say they're in the rudimentary stages right now. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that Davey would fully uh, understand that, but just trying to, to set our lifestyle in a way where, you know, it's not you know, new cars and even just not, not a life of consumption, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Kristen Welch, uh, wrote a book, uh, Raising Grateful Kids in an Entitled World, and it sounds like you are living it. You are living it. Nathan, tell us a little bit. Uh, we love hearing stories. Tell us, tell us the Hummer story. <laughs> um, the, the Hummer story, the infamous Hummer story. I was, you know, there's actually debate as to how old I was. Apparently, I didn't remember it exactly right. I, I think I remember a memory of it, maybe. Um, but I think I was 10, 11, 12, we were still living out in the country with a big, you know, almost a quarter mile driveway. And I, you know, I knew my, my parents were cheap or my dad is cheap. My mom is frugal. Um, and, uh, they're both also very, you know, financially conservative, but I, my favorite car in the world, uh, is and was a Hummer, you know, like an actual H1 Alpha Hummer, not the, the H2 nonsense. And so I had, done done some research on it i'm not sure how i did um, i don't know if it's been an encyclopedia or what but you know i had all the facts and figures and specs and they can actually hold eight people and so it's one of very few vehicles on the road that, that could theoretically be a family car and so i went to to my parents and i kind of had this sales pitch of mom and dad i think we should get a hummer uh, and they're only about a hundred thousand dollars you know it's uh <laughs> Um, I say that in jest, of course. Uh, <laughs> and I told him a couple of reasons why I thought it would be really cool. It's awesome. We can go off loading. It can fit the whole family. This is great. And, uh, that's when, when my dad said, Nathan, I think that's a great idea. I was like, well, what? There's no way that was easier than I thought. Uh, and he goes, you know what, Nathan, we could probably buy two offers. And, and that's kind of what I fully understood that this is going nowhere. This is not happening. And then he said, you know, actually we could probably buy enough Hummers to fill up our entire driveway. <laughs> and again, it's a quarter mile long driveway. I'm thinking, okay, where are we going here? And, uh, he said, or what if, uh, what if we kept driving this? It was a, a hideous 12 passenger conversion type van with a big blue stripe down the front. What if we keep driving our car 
and, and take the money that we could spend on a driveway full of Hummers and we send that to people around the world who are sharing the gospel. What if we use that money to equip brothers and sisters in Christ who are, who are being the hands and feet of Christ around the world? And, and that really was a light bulb moment. That, and I was like, uh, huh. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't even disappointed to hear that. I heard that and thought, yeah, maybe, yeah, why didn't everybody do that? That makes so much sense. But wow. there are people in need. There, there is a shortage of resources being mobilized to the, to the unreached. Man, that makes a lot of sense. And so then forever lived in infamy is the, uh, the <laughs> desire for a Hummer. We did not buy a Hummer. We, at one point, we bought a company that actually owned two Hummers. And I thought, maybe there's just this tiny chance we'll just hold on to one of them. We sold them both. So uh, still zero Hummers, uh, but a lesson well learned, uh, a lesson that's been told many a time. And, and just and that's another example. Is, you know, my parents, they were intentional. They, you know, it was not a do as I say it not as I do kind of thing is they lived it and they, they thought opportunities to really kind of contextualize that for us, make it simple, make it applicable. And that was, that was one of those times. That is so awesome. By the way, I would recharacterize your dad as not as cheap, but a good steward. Cause I, I'm, I'm still trying to drive my 2007 Camry with 326,000 miles. So uh, I could be characterized as cheap, but I, I choose to call it being a good steward. And I, but I agree with you. The main point is here, it's so awesome to hear, Nathan, that at whatever age you were, 12, 13, to, to hear that explanation, obviously in the context of that foundation had been built for many, many years, up all 13 years of your life. Uh, but then to hear your father say, we could fill the driveway with Humbers. So there was definitely the capacity there wasn't uh, that you couldn't do it, but then there was the desire to say, wow, we could reallocate those resources to these families that are sharing the gospel, at which some of, you, some of them you had seen in some of your travels. Mm-hmm. So, it wasn't a foreign concept uh, to you. So, what yeah. a great way of, um, of, you know, a light bulb moment, as you said. So, I'm looking forward to hearing in the future the Hummer stories of your kids. That your kids have to <laughs> share. <laughs> so, uh, Nathan, as we uh, wind up here, I'd love to uh, have you share maybe one more thing about you know what what has impacted you. Uh, any, anything else? Any other stories or anything else that your parents have impacted you that you are now passing on to the next generation in in the way they cap their lifestyle, they they work hard, use the the resources and the skills and abilities and talents that God put in their hands, but are definitely living a grateful life in an entitled world. Any other stories or things that you'd like to share? Um, and then I'd like to lead into, you know, finish up with a word of advice to, to if there's one thing that you would share with a, a listener who's, you know, maybe just has some questions about, you know, this whole space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, when I think about, you know, my, my upbringing and even into adulthood is just the consistency of, um, uh, of the lives of my parents. And then now as a parent, realizing how important that is because, because kids are wildly observant and they, they catch on to things that I never thought they would notice at this stage of the game. And so, you know, anywhere from 
talking about, you know, for my parents, it was they, they took us to see where the fruits of, of their labor and the fruits of the company's labor uh, was being mobilized and being leveraged around the world. So it kind of completed the picture. Uh, you know, it was, you know, for, for parents, it's that uh, dreaded why, why, why? <laughs> um, but, but using that as an opportunity to kind of explain these are the reasons why we do the things we do. These are the reasons why we don't do the things we do. You know, using as many, and I'm, obviously I'm far from perfect sometimes on that third why and saying, can you just stop talking? You know, um, <laughs> but, but being, uh, being cognizant of those teaching opportunities, especially with, with you know, young, uh, very malleable kids at this stage and then another thing that my parents did is they they were not the most present parents you know early on i was homeschooled my dad worked a ton in our in my younger years uh he was getting a company off the ground uh you know he's fairly established but he was going through tremendous growth and and there's good and bad to that i i think i take some of what i saw growing up and think i need to do just like that and there's some that i think i need to change how I'm going to, to relate to my family a bit, but they were consistent in how, yeah, they, they didn't compartmentalize what God had for their life. You know, God had their whole heart, their whole lives. And a lot of times that meant they were going to miss things because they were in India or they are going to miss things because they're at a board meeting somewhere. Um, and sometimes they're going to miss things because they just have to work late, but, but, and that's, and that's good. And that is okay. Um, they, they made sure that we knew that we are not the most important thing to them, which almost sounds harsh as a parent, but it's so true. And I think kids need to understand that, that, you know, a parent's walk with Christ and obedience to the Lord is the most important thing. The love for their spouse is right up there with it. And then showing them to the t-ball games and baseball games and ballet recitals. And that, that's something important and it's good, but, you know, missing those is not, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's uh uh, especially if you can use that as an opportunity to talk about, you know, it's not that this meeting is more important, but it's uh, at, at this stage of the game might be what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Good point. Consistency. And then, sorry, what was the, uh, so yeah, word of advice. Question? Yeah. So what, what's one, one word of advice you would leave for, for our listeners or not, not, not a word, but what advice would you, leave uh for someone out there who's just in business in a family that's in a business but is is focused on generosity or wants to lean into generosity maybe if they're at a different stage in their walk yeah that's that's a great question i think take take stock of what the lord has given um good word yep you know i i get asked to to speak occasionally and i'm on this podcast for uh, what sometimes can feel like something my parents did, mm-hmm. you know, I can't give away a company. I can't see this business that I created and then give it, give it away so that the profits will forever and always go to the kingdom. But, but that's not what, what generosity is. That's not what stewardship is necessarily. And so for me, a part of it's just been, I, I need to be content to, to not necessarily have a highlight reel, uh, of generosity or stewardship. I need to take stock of what the Lord's given me. You know, I have, I have time. Sometimes it feels like I don't have enough, but what am I going to do with the time that, you know, that God gives? 
I have I have bandwidth, I have a job, I have children, and and just thinking through each of the the things that God has given me, uh, the good, the bad, the whatever it is, and realize how how can I use this for God's glory? You know, for my job, how am I using the relationship I have both with my direct report with my coworkers of other branches, people who I report to, how am I using this, this position at this time in my life to point others towards Christ, to bless other people? Like I said, you know, young life committee, things like that. How am I using, using my gifts and abilities and mixing that with quality time with Susanna to, to help others, you know, to, to be a part of something bigger than us. Um, yeah. It would be probably more fun to go on date nights every first Tuesday of the month instead of a committee meeting. Uh, but it's something we get to do together and we get to, to struggle through. And, you know, it points us both to each other and to Christ. And so, yeah, I, I think just wow. take stock of, of what God has put in your life, even the, the hard relationships, the bad news at work or the bad news of the family member. It's there for a reason. Yeah. Wow. That is powerful, Nathan. Uh, take stock in what God has given you. And uh, that talk, talk about that, that just drips with gratefulness and just a very healthy uh, mindset. Uh, really appreciate uh, you joining the podcast, Nathan. Uh, looking forward to, there's a, a lot, lot more questions and story. I'm, I'm sure there's more, uh, more uh, related Hummer stories out there. Uh, maybe we'll have you out uh, uh, to be a guest on the podcast again sometime. But uh, wrapping it up for today. Thank you so much, Nathan, and thank you to all the listeners out there for joining us today on the Generous Business Owners Podcast. Look forward to you tuning in again for the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Generous Business Owner Podcast with Jeff Thomas, Alan Barnhart, and Jeff Rutt. Make sure to follow the podcast so you don't miss an episode. You can find the guest contact information in the show notes. Stay tuned for the next episode.